This morning, as we continue in our Advent message series, let me invite you to open the Scriptures with me, to open God's Word with me this morning to Philippians uh, chapter 2. And if you don't have uh, a copy of God's Word with you this morning, certainly let me invite you to take one from the pew rack in front of you. And if you're using a pew Bible, it should be on about page 950. But if this is the first of this series, this Christmas series, that you have been able to be with us, Philippians is a letter, uh, a short letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written uh, to the church in Philippi, and Paul writes this letter from prison. And so certainly we have heard stories uh, in the world today of Christians who have per- been persecuted and even uh, killed for their faith in Christ. And this is not something uh, new. This is a tragedy, always a tragedy. Uh, But even in the first century, just years after uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection and ascension of Christ, many believers faced persecution for their faith. Paul being one of them for his bold proclamation of uh, this message. And so Paul writes to uh, believers. He writes to believers living in Philippi, uh, a Roman colony in the Roman Empire. And he writes to remind them that they have a greater allegiance, that they are called upon to live as citizens of a heavenly colony, as believers uh, in uh, the King of Heaven. And he instructs them and encourages them to live out their faith in Christ. And he writes regarding implications of that for their relationship, their walk with each other, and their, their life before the Lord. And so he encourages them to look to the example, the model of Jesus Christ. And so we do the same uh, this morning as well. So let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of, of God's Word. Philippians chapter 2. I'll begin reading in verse 5. I'll read verses 5 through uh, 11, and then we will specifically look at verses 9 through 11 uh, today. But beginning in verse 5, the scriptures read this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we uh, do acknowledge that, that you are God that you have made yourself known to us through your word, your written word, and your, your word made flesh, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Father, we pray that you would guide us now by your Spirit. Give us wisdom in understanding the truths of your word. Father, give us humility in applying them to our lives. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, this particular passage of, of Scripture follows sort of a, a natural flow And this morning we come to a dramatic shift, uh, a marked shift in that flow as God, uh, recounting the action of God in the coming and the dying and the rising and now the exaltation of, of Jesus Christ. 
You see, Jesus came to us. Christ Jesus came into this world. He took on human flesh. He became one of us. He made himself uh, like us. So as we've been walking through this passage, we've we've seen the, the admonition to have the mindset of Christ Jesus in all that we do. We hung our hat on the truth from verse 7 that Christ Jesus made himself of no reputation for us. God the Son, the eternal God, took on human flesh. He became one of us. He was born in lowly circumstances in order to become a servant to us. That's the story of Christmas. That's what uh, the, 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 the holiday of, of Christmas is really all all about, but we know the story doesn't end there. The story continues. Ultimately, he came in order to die on the cross for the sins of the world that we might be restored into right relationship with God. So as we looked at uh, the next uh, verse in this particular passage, as we looked at verse 8, we said that Christ Jesus willingly endured the scandal of the cross for us. He came, he made himself of no reputation for us and ultimately in order to give away his life for us that we might have life in in him. But you know the rest of the story. The story doesn't end there. He was raised back to life by the power of God, proving himself to be the Savior. Therefore, verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every. Name church, God exalted the crucified Jesus by declaring him Lord. God exalted this crucified Jesus by declaring him Lord. Now, Paul, in this particular passage, doesn't specifically speak to the fact that Jesus, after he gave his life away, even death on a cross after that, doesn't speak to the fact that he was raised back to life and he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. But he certainly does elsewhere. First Corinthians chapter 15 Luke does in Acts chapter, chapter 1. So here Paul is assuming all of that as part of this message of, of the gospel. And this one who gave his life away for us and was raised back to life has now been exalted by God. He has been raised to the highest position, given the greatest status. He has been exalted to the position that he deserves. Now, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, is not any less God than God the Father. He is part of the eternal God, Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit. He was not created by God. He has always existed with God. But when He came among us, when He was born and laid in a manger, He assumed a role that was far less than what He deserved. He humbled Himself. He emptied himself, and now the Scriptures are teaching that in his exaltation, he has given the position once again that he deserves. Exalted, highest place in heaven. You know, in just a few weeks, uh, President-elect Trump will assume uh, his position in the Oval Office based on the results of the election last month. That position in the Oval Office is a position based on the laws of this land, a position that has naturally come to be associated with the President of the United States. It is a a station, a, a place that is commensurate with the one who has that status, with the one who wins that election. And likewise, the throne room of heaven, 
is a place commensurate with the one who rules and reigns over all. And the scriptures declare here and elsewhere that that one is Jesus. And here in Philippians chapter 2, and the language that Paul employs, the language that he uses, he alludes to an Old Testament passage of scripture. This is the beauty of, of scripture, by the way. You know, scripture is far more like uh, perhaps a, a slideshow of, of pictures that we might play at a significant life event like a wedding or even a, a celebration of life service than it is a newscast or a textbook because it tells a story. Because there's purpose and there's unity and there's forethought. So listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 and following. This is God speaking. He says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, and the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. Now why is this significant? Paul is clearly alluding to this passage of Scripture. He's adopting language from Isaiah chapter 45. And in the Old Testament, some time ago, God made himself known. He appeared and he uh, spoke of himself uh, in a certain way to uh, significant people in the history of our faith. He appeared to Abraham and he appeared to Moses and he spoke to David and to Jeremiah and to Isaiah and to others throughout the Old Testament as Yahweh. More than simply a title, he spoke of himself with a name, a personal name, a covenant name. This would be like uh, me uh, giving, uh, describing myself to, to my wife as more than just your husband. Actually, I'm more than your husband. I, I'm, I'm Chris. This is my name. This is who I am. In Old Testament times, the name had great significance because it spoke of a person's character, of who they were. So God revealed himself with the name Yahweh. He spoke of himself with the name Yahweh. And the Hebrews or the Jews would not pronounce this particular name. They would not say this name out of reverence for God. But it's often found in the Old Testament Scriptures. In fact, few of our English translations include it in the Old Testament for that very reason. But every time LORD is in all caps in the Old Testament, it is a reference to this name. It is a reference to Yahweh just as it is right here in Isaiah 45, verses 24 and 25. This Yahweh, this is the the sovereign God who rules and reigns over all. This is the God who made Himself known to His covenant people. And here, by adopting this this language in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is saying something very significant about Jesus Christ. He's saying that Christ Jesus is that one. He is Yahweh. He is the God who rules and reigns. He is the God from eternity past. He is the one who creates and who redeems and who sustains. He is God Almighty. Christ is that one. And He is the one who has been exalted now by God the Father. And brothers and sisters, if you know this one, if you know Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world, then this truth ought to be a great comfort to you. 
believer, take comfort in Christ's position. Take comfort in in His position for the baby who came to us on that first Christmas, who was bound for the cross to take on the punishment and the penalty of of a just and, and righteous judge, God Almighty, against the sins of the world. This very same one has been raised from the dead. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has been exalted. He has been given the name that is above every name. And this same one has saved us by His grace, giving us a joy that can only be found in Him. Giving us an eternal joy as we await the day that He returns and we will be ushered into His presence, enjoying His eternal presence and provision for all time. So friends, I don't, I don't know what Christmas 2016 looks for you. Maybe for any number of reasons, your earthly circumstances aren't such that would lead you to naturally exhibit such joy. But know that we know and serve a God who has overcome earthly circumstances. He is a God who provides hope and joy and peace. A God who has loved us with an everlasting love. So believer, take comfort this Christmas, in Christ's position, but, but unbeliever, unbeliever, be alarmed over Christ's position. Be alarmed over Christ's position. You know, I don't know your spiritual condition today. I don't know the condition of your faith. I don't know where you stand before God, but no doubt in a room this size, there are likely some among us who, who have not repented and trusted in Jesus for salvation who have not given their life to Christ, who have not expressed faith in this God, the God who has come to us, the God who has made Himself known to us, the God who laid down His life for us. Perhaps you know about Jesus. Maybe you can even tell the story of the manger with the best of them. Perhaps you don't know Jesus. Perhaps you don't know Him personally. Perhaps you have not given your life to Him. Perhaps you are not trusting in Him. Perhaps you are not declaring Him him Lord. But this very, this very Jesus, the one who had no crib for a bed, is the one who took my sins and my sorrows and made them His very own. He, he bore my burden on Calvary and He suffered and He died alone. And friends, the Scriptures teach that this very same one is the one who has now been given the name that is above every name, and He will return. The King will return, and all will bow before King Jesus. Friends, the Scriptures are clear to this end. All will bow before King Jesus. Verses 9 and 10, Therefore God exalted Him, God exalted Christ to the highest place, and gave Him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You know, there have been some impressive uh, kingdoms throughout the history of the earth. We might think of uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptian Empire. We might think of uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. We might think of the Persians under Cyrus the Great. We might think of the Roman Empire or might think of the, the Arab Empire under Muhammad. Might think of the Mongol Empire under Genghis Khan or the British Empire. Any, any number of other empires. But all of these 
uh, empires had certain boundaries. They all only extended so far. They all only existed for a time. In fact, when looked at from this perspective, perhaps a perspective from thousands of miles away, a perspective from space, which I don't think any of us have been to. We've only seen pictures, but but God is the, the one who rules over space, one who rules and reigns on high, the one who is over all of the earth. And from this perspective, these kingdoms seem rather small, seem rather finite. But church, not so with, with Christ's kingdom, not so with His eternal kingdom, for His kingdom knows no boundaries and His kingdom never ends. And the Scriptures are clear that one day all will bow before this King. In fact, the Scriptures teach in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, that the Magi came from the east, right? They came to Bethlehem. And when they encountered the baby Jesus, the text says that they, they bowed and they worshipped Him. I can imagine that they, they got down on their knees and they, they worshipped this, this baby, this Christ child knowing that He was a King sent from God. We've all been on our knees from time to time, one time or another, and being on your knees is not such a comfortable position. Like rub your knees right where you are, put some pressure on your knees, remind yourself of, of the last time you were on your knees. It's not somewhere you want to be very long. When it comes to bowing before the King, it's not so much about us at that point. In fact, it's not about us at all. It's about Him and His position and His worthiness, who He is. And the Scriptures teach that all will one day bow before King Jesus. Are you bowing before King Jesus? Are you kneeling before the King? Are you worshiping the exalted Christ today? The Scriptures teach that years later, after Jesus' ministry and His crucifixion, after He died right in front of His followers, gave His life away, crucified on the cross, later appeared before them, Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, is clear that his, his closest friends, when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. They saw Jesus. They saw the, the resurrected Jesus and, and they worshipped Him. What about you? Are you worshipping Christ Jesus? Are you kneeling before the King? Have you given your life to Him? Are you acknowledging who He is? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2, this is what the Lord says. This is what Yahweh says. He says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. You see, this one, this this Yahweh, this God who is... And identified through the scriptures as as Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. This one has been exalted to the highest place. And one day every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow before him in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. See, those that are alive and existing on the earth today are only a small representation of all the beings that God has made throughout Centuries past. But on that day, those in heaven, including the angels and those believers who have gone before us, will bow before the King. And those who are here on the earth, left inhabiting the earth at the return of Christ, will bow before the King. And even those who 
are under the earth, a reference to hell. Those who are in hell as demons and followers of Satan and others who have rejected the truth about Jesus, they too will bow before Jesus on that day. One day all will bow before the king. But friends, then it will be too late. Scripture states that all will one day bow, but but on that day, if you have not surrendered to Christ in this life, if you have not repented and trusted in Jesus for salvation in this life, it will be too late. All will soon kneel to the King. So surrender to Him today. Surrender to Christ Jesus today. Recognize who He is today. Give your life to Him today. Declare Him as Lord today. Follow after the Master today. Unbeliever, do not delay. Do not allow another opportunity to pass you by. Surrender to Christ Jesus. Give your life to Christ and experience the true and lasting joy that is only found in in Him. All will bow before King Jesus and the Scriptures teach that all will declare that He is Lord. All will declare Jesus is Lord. For God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth. And under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. You see the truth is that the baby that was, was laid in a feeding trough. Is king. He is Lord of all. He is the eternal God. And one day all will bow before Him and all will confess who He is. All will recognize that He rules, that He reigns, that there is none like Him. The Bible teaches this clearly, that all will surrender to Him in that way, but not all will be saved. In fact, some will bow before Him. Some will confess His Lordship here and now in this life, but but others only will do so in shame and terror on that day. For he is to be received in faith. He's offered the gift of salvation. He's offered the gift of joy and hope and eternal life. But it's a gift that must be received in, in faith. The message of the gospel is, is for all people. I think this is why the The shepherds who were Jews and the Magi who were Gentiles from the east, both heard from the Lord, were invited by God to come and to worship the newborn king. So so friends, whoever you are, young or old, rich or poor, male or female, Asian or American, seeker or, or drifter, whoever you are, confess the Lordship of Jesus today. Confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. Cry out to Him for salvation today. For the gift has been given on your behalf. The price has been paid. The King has come and the King has conquered. And the King will come again for His people. And if you confess, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. The Scripture teaches that you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with the mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ today in your life, over your life, over all of life. And then, believer, demonstrate the Lordship of Jesus through your life. Confess the Lordship of Jesus 
And then, brothers and sisters, fathers of Jesus, demonstrate the lordship of Jesus with your life. You know, there's been some recent uh, controversy uh, surrounding the Pledge of Allegiance and uh, surrounding the, the national anthem, and, uh, the national anthem, and the appropriate way to respond when uh, such things take place. And I want to get into all the details regarding that this morning. But when it comes to the return of the King, Jesus Christ, who rules and reigns on high, all will participate. All will confess who He is. All will declare that He is Lord. We no one's sitting out. All will confess Jesus is Lord. So brothers, sisters, followers of Jesus today, Christ fathers, Christians, declare with me, declare it together now. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. One more time. That was not very good. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He reigns. All will acknowledge it on that day. Are you acknowledging it on this day? Confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ and demonstrate the Lordship of Jesus Christ with your life. Let's live as if He is Lord. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and following, Jesus is calling His first followers. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus has extended the invitation. He has called upon whosoever will to come and to follow him. To follow after him. To follow his example. To look to him as Lord. To look to him as Savior. To to live for him. And perhaps like Simon and Andrew, there are some things that we need to give up. To more faithfully follow after him. But even so, let's follow him. Let's demonstrate that he is Lord over our lives. For one day, everyone will acknowledge the truth about Jesus. Friends, the scriptures are clear to this end. If the Bible is true, and I certainly believe that it is with all my heart, then one day, everyone will acknowledge the truth about Jesus. Have you acknowledged the truth about Jesus? Are you worshiping Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you, like the wise men in the little town of Bethlehem, have you kneeled before Jesus? Have you confessed the lordship of of Jesus? Will your activities and your faculties and your families confess the lordship of Jesus? Kneel before King Jesus this Christmas. Let's worship the King, for He is worthy. He reigns, He rules, and He has extended salvation to us by His grace, giving us joy here and now and forevermore. Father, we thank You that You are a God who knows us and who cares for us. Lord, a God who knows every need that we have. But a God who doesn't leave us in the dark. A God who does not leave us in the predicament of sin. But a God who is sent your one and only son to us to overcome the predicament that we caused. Father, to do for us what we can never do on our own, to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into your kingdom. Father, may we worship you today. We live our lives in a way that glorifies you and exalts the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray and ask these things.